three, two, one. Howdy, and welcome back to a long-awaited episode of the Texas Private School Podcast. I, as always, am one-third of your hosting crew, Wes Tolleson, joining you from the rose capital of the world, Tyler, Texas. Walker Lott joins me from College Station, and Ryan Schroeder joins me from somewhere in the Northeast. I want to say New Jersey, maybe? Ocean City, New Jersey. Dude, mm. let's go. Yeah, so, go. fellas, we're, we're, in, we're in different places today. Walker, I'll start with you. How's, how's stuff been in College Station? How's, uh, what do you think about the current state of private school athletics? Oh, oh, what a, what a question. I think it's yeah. a great, great, great place for uh, private school athletics, and I'm doing good, you know, summertime, trying to take some summer classes, uh, but, you know, getting ready for the, getting for the summer, getting ready for all the excitement that comes with it. Good, good answer. Ryan, why are you in Ocean City, New Jersey? Uh, well, just got done with uh, Oklahoma State baseball. We we lost in the regional round, and I was shooting that for a while. But I got a little family trip. Glad I could make the family trip, and uh, um, you know, just spending time out here in the Northeast. But you know who made the Omaha? That's that's not funny. <laughs> that's not funny. That's not even close to funny. But Dude, I, without a best sweat, of luck, though. Too. Best of luck. Omaha, baby. Omaha. Dude, best you, luck. I, I, I want the Omahaws. I want to see Arkansas. I want to send Arkansas home. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. We play, okay, we play, I, we play OU to start it off. I'm not I a big fan of Arkansas. Let, let that be no, I've, I've, I've had perennial beef with Arkansas. Like everyone, Grace Community apparently is just a feeder school to Arkansas. So I just have to talk mess to everyone that ever graduated from Grace. That's beside the point. I literally have in the intro brief, don't ramble. And I've started to ramble. So we're going to quickly transition to the actual <laughs> episode. It's a Q&A episode. We actually got to interact with a lot of you and we're very excited to do so. But first, there's some bombshell news that we have to react to. And it's actually coming out of the UIL side of athletics. And it has to relate to freshmen on varsity. The UIL will meet this upcoming Tuesday. I think that'll be June the 14th and discuss some rule changes. Among them, they're considering banning freshmen from playing varsity athletics. Um, there's not a whole lot of statement here on why, but you can speculate it's because they don't want to be liable and they don't want to have kids getting hurt when they're not ready for varsity athletics. Um, my quick thoughts on it are, this is ridiculous. I don't think it makes a whole lot of sense. I think coaches are going to wait to play kids until they're actually ready. And that just kind of happens naturally, but just Walker, really quickly, what do you think about the UIL potentially banning freshmen from playing private school or from playing in athletic varsity competitions? I mean, I think, first of all, I think if this actually happens, it will be one of the wildest things that has ever happened. I think this is not going to even come close to being finalized, but I think it's some person out there was like, oh, we should put this in there. And I don't even think it gets one foot in the door type of thing. I think it just had to be appealed and it's going to get declined very easily. If I, if that's my opinion on it, I, I just don't see this going to be passed. This is, it's a very wild thing to not allow freshmen on varsity. Cause it's, if that just means, I don't think that just means football. It means that means every sport. And I mean, there's going to be sports that aren't going to be able to have enough guys to even have a team. If you're talking all of UIL down to 2A, that you're going to need all from freshman to varsity to even make or freshman to senior that even make a team like teams like golf or, you know, tennis or 
like baseball, like they're not going to have enough guys to make a team if you don't get all varsity guys that are able to play. So I think that, I think that by itself is not going to make it, is going to make it case closed. But I mean, what a, what a wild thing. Dude, you say that you think it won't get one foot in the door. I have to counter that. I think there's at least a decent chance this gets passed. I think crazier things have happened. I'm I'm 100% serious. I think that we're in such a crazy era of, of change in sports. I mean, NIL and stuff like that has nothing to do with this, but it's just an example of how rapidly things are changing from in all levels of sports right now. I think I think there's a half decent chance this gets passed, and it'll get passed in the next couple of days. So we can definitely make a follow-up when that happens and just discuss because if it does get passed, this is going to send a wave of kids into private school athletics. For selfish reasons, kind of hope it gets passed. You know how crazy that would be for private I mean, school sports? I mean, because a lot of times you, you see a lot of the younger private school guys go out and be like, all right, we're, I'm a name, I leave. Right. I don't. I don't think you'll see that as much probably nowadays. And maybe kind of the opposite. You know, you never know. No, it's it's super super interesting, Ryan. I haven't heard from you yet. What do you think about all this commotion? And do you think there's any chance this actually gets across? See, I like how Walker brought up the different sports aspect. I I, I think this is beyond a football thing. As you get lower in the UIL ranks, and as you get lower in just like amount of kids per school. Um, this is a problem for, for different sports because, you know, you might not make roster sizes and you might count on those kids that don't know maybe what sport they want to go down in uh, in the rest of their high school career. So they try out a bunch their freshman year of high school and, you know, and, and then they can't play the varsity sport. It, it just doesn't make enough sense. If this rule is only applied to, you know, 4A, 5A, 6A, you know, maybe you could see it that way. But at the same time, then you have to have restrictions for different classifications, you know, different teams would have to be different classification. You know, it'd just be a whole thing, which means I know they're definitely, if they do it, it's going to, it's going to go for all UIL. It's not just going to be specific classifications. Um, with that being said though, you know, I, I think this is something that would erupt like in, like with parents and stuff like that, like parents would get very frustrated, you know, uh, the seventh and eighth graders that are coming into the high school scene are going to be, you know, playing all these years and, and, and basically ready to get onto the scene if they are that talented. And then they have to, they have to automatically sit their freshman year with how talented they'd be. Yeah. Um, and it's like what you said, Walker, like if they're not ready for it, the coach will sit them. The coach will not play them if they're not yeah. ready. And, and, and on to that point in a world that like, class of 2027's guys have Twitters and have been in the national, not national media, but trying to be in the media for since they're in sixth grade. I mean, that this is not the time to do it. It, it, it isn't. If you wanted to implement it freshman year, you know, 10, 15 years ago, maybe, but even that still is wild. But yeah, like it, it no coach. I mean, I try to, th- I, I was telling them, you try to see it reasonably that a coach will not put a, a freshman in if it does not help the team win or does not hurt the kid as well. But you don't know that for sure. And that's probably the, hey, what about this? What if you put a freshman in and he gets hurt because he's playing against senior guys? That's that's the argument probably here. But I don't know if that's such a big argument to risk everything else that is involved with it. I also don't know if that's a big enough argument to risk every sport too, right? Yeah. 
I mean, if this was just a football thing with the with the contact of football, you know, you could argue that. But this is a all sport wide, you know, ordeal. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's primarily for football because I think it's just they're worried about underdeveloped kids getting thrown into a not, not a contact sport, basically a collision sport at right. full speed. And say like someone hasn't fully hit puberty yet, but they need them in that game. You're like 130 pounds soaking wet and some like some 220 linebacker cracks your skull. I mean, I think that's what they're worried about. But it's just the real the reality of that happening Someone that's ready to play isn't going to be like 130, 140 pounds. They're going to be developed freshmen. But, you know, that's what we've been saying. And I don't know. I know I was saying that there's a decent chance it'll get passed. I think that it, I don't think it will. But if the UIL, if the UIL's goal is to completely blow their, <laughs> blow the program up from the inside, I think they'll pass it. Like, I think that this will just destroy the UIL if it goes through. But we'll see, and we'll update you when it happens on our thoughts. But, uh, Ryan, another thing I wanted to cover specifically with you, they're talking about adding a shot clock for basketball, which is something in Texas that I have begged for for years and years. It's needed to be implemented. It needs to happen. It looks like it might get passed now. What do you think about the potential for a shot clock in the UIL and maybe the possibility of that transferring to private school? You know, it's it's in a it's in a couple different states. Like this is a state to state thing, um, and other states do fine with it. Other states have been just fine with it. It's not, you know, it's never been really a problem. It's just something that's never been brought up. I think it's just the thing. It's like they've they've gone without it forever. But you're getting to a stage now where um, it's getting really bad end of the game situations where you know you're forced to foul and it basically just blows out the chance of ever a comeback in the final five minutes of a game. You got coaches you know, sometimes holding the ball at half court and y'all we've all seen those videos and stuff like that. So this is my proposal in general. I think if you do it, you know, so if anybody didn't know the NBA is 24 seconds, college is 30 seconds. I don't hate it being 35 seconds. That seems like a pretty good amount of time to me. 35 seconds um, would be my sweet spot. If they made it 30, that's fine too. But 35 seconds is a good amount of time, you know, to force somebody to take a shot. Um, and, you know, I think that would work out if it gets passed in UIL. I definitely could see this getting passed in taps a couple of years down the line, if not this year as well. Um, this is just a rule that's needed been added, needed to have been added for a while now. And uh, they're just getting to it. So. Oh, yeah, I definitely think taps is taps and SBC are kind of waiting back and seeing what the UIL does. And I think they'll probably follow suit. But, yeah, no, I agree. It needs to happen. I think whether it's like 30 or 35, it's not a big deal, but there just needs to be a shot clock in place. I think we've all. We've all more or less said that for a long time. Hopefully it passes. So that's all we have for the potential UIL changes and how that might impact private school athletics. So let's get into the Q&A. First topic we're going to cover, uh, Texas private school football coaching changes. There has been a plethora of them in the past couple months. The biggest one is Chris Cunningham to Midland. Obviously, Chris Cunningham is the esteemed uh, Prestonwood coach won several state championships with them in about a decade and a half long run. Um, it's a big deal, him going out to Midland. Midland, who were the state runners up in D1 last year, moving down to D2 this year, and the absolute cluster that D2 will be. But, I mean, I'll, I'll ask both of you, Walker, first. Um, Chris Cunningham to Midland, we talked about it on Twitter already a little bit, but what do you think this means for, first of all, Midland, but second of all, Prestonwood? I mean, you're, you're getting a proven winner. I think that's first and foremost, the biggest thing they got because Midland has a, you know, a history of being su successful 
and, you know, dominant. And you have a guy who can continue that tradition, which that I think that first and foremost is, you know, what they needed. And they got a guy who can has been proven to win it in taps. So I think that was a home run hit for them. I mean, perfect for them and what they do. You know, always Midland is known for being tough, resilient, you know, all those West Texas boys. That's how they are. So if he brings that to them, that's what they need. And that will be even, you know, maybe turn it into a grand slam type of hit because you already have a guy who can win and you bring in a culture with that. I mean, that's, that's what you need. Um, You know, and props to him for right now, you know, Midland's not a favorable job to take and he took it because he wanted to change that culture. So props to him to taking that. And I wish him nothing but the best to turning that team around and looking forward to making another state championship run in the fall. I'm very interested to see how Coach Cunningham will take the reins in a program where uncertain is a very, very soft word to describe it at the time. But we will see how that goes. Ryan, you were actually just at Prestonwood recently. Talk about how Cunningham's exit leaves Prestonwood in the position they're in with a new coach. Yeah, I mean, I think you I think they're ready to scoop it up at at Prestonwood. I think they're ready to take the legacy he left and uh, pick it up right there. Um, and I think that, I think what, like we're going into Midland and what you said is like, he's picking, he, he's like going to push them over the edge. Like that hump that Midland's had this entire time, coach Cunningham pushes them over the edge. Um, and I see this being a very great thing for Midland. Uh, you know, you're getting a great uh, coach and coach Cunningham, but I also like, you know, what Prestonwood is doing. Prestonwood, um, is, is going to be right there, hopefully back in the same mix as they were, um, you know, such a legacy of championships won in the 2010 era. And I don't see that, um, being a far off thing. I mean, they're going to be in, they're going to be in D one now. And like, we're going to talk about, you know, with the whole district shift, um, you know, you're getting a whole new lineup and we'll see if Prestonwood can maybe, uh, you know, switch things up with how they do and we'll see if they stay the same. I'm, I'm excited to see how they play in the fall versus how they have been playing these past 15 years with coach Cunningham. It'll be really interesting to see how they move on after Cunningham leaves, but turning our attention towards something else and something that affects uh, us pretty personally, uh, coach Hoffmeyer is out at Brazos Christian. It makes me sad. Coach Hoff is one of the first people we got to interact with obviously the hometown coach led Brazos Christian to an incredible run this past year falling only in the uh, – falling in the – in the was it the first or the second round of the playoffs, Walker, to Shiner? Uh, second, I think. Yeah, in the second round, which was an absolute crime that game was then. But, I mean, Coach Hoff is going to Bastrop to be a linebacker's coach. We wish him nothing but the best, and we are very, very excited to see how his career takes him. But uh, even bigger news that came out like a week ago – Coach Terry Pirtle, the uh, the head coach of Second Baptist for the past decade or so, I'm pretty sure that's right. He took the he took the Houston Christian athletic director position. That is a big move for him, but it also puts Second Baptist in a really really interesting position. I don't think did either of you. I don't think anyone really saw this coming outside of maybe Houston Christian or people at SPS. So where do you think Walker? I'll start with you. Where do you think this leaves Second Baptist with Pirtle taking an AD job at Houston Christian? I mean, I think for Houston Christian, you get a guy who, you know, we all respect really highly of and is a guy who can really help y'all's athletics move forward, especially the football side. If he's more, I know he's AD, but if he's on the, if he's helping out with football, you know, that's a great guy to have on a guy who just brought Second Baptist to a state championship appearance. Sorry. 
but I mean, yeah, it was just kind of a shock because, you know, I was, I went down there to give Everett and Eli their, uh, and, uh, their awards down there in second Baptist and he was there and a couple of days later he's gone, but that, you know, that's, that's just the nature of the business, you know, it's, that's how it is. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think for Houston Christian, you know, that's big, big for them, but, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to see who, I, I don't know if they've announced it, but I don't think second Baptist has who's taken over for the job. No, nothing but what I've seen yet. It'll be interesting to see who they choose because what Purtle went on in one, was it eight or nine straight district championships in that district in the South? Something like that, but very, very impressive. Also, I want to add on to uh, the Brazos Christian hire. Uh, the guy who they replaced him with, Corey Washington from Austin Brentwood, is a really, really respected man. Did a lot of success down there in Brentwood and now is going to be an assistant athletic director there at Brazos Christian. And is also a really, really good dude. I'm excited to finally meet him in person, whatever it is. So if you watch this, hey, we'll come by, come say what's up. So, oh yeah, definitely a home run hire for for Brazos Christian. I'm very excited to uh, take the very short five minute trip down the road and meet him personally. Uh, Ryan, what do you think about about Coach Pertle uh, leaving Houston, to Houston Christian in the position that leaves Second Baptist? You know, it, I think this is great for Houston Christian. Pertle obviously. Um, has shown success and I know he's going to an AD position but like Walker said if he helps out with football at all I mean this is a program you know Houston Christian you know 10 10 wins in the last five years of uh, the Houston Christian program and so you're looking at a, a team that you know probably needs some major help and I think you're, you're getting a coach in there that maybe can make coaching changes or whatever he needs to do to basically you know fill that program um, I, I think Houston Christian um, is looking for a boost and with a hiring like Pirtle, I think um, who's ever on the board there at Houston Christian is doing the right thing. I completely agree. I really, really do hope that, uh, that coach Pirtle, uh really pulls their, their football program up to another level and gets them competitive. I would think that would, that would be very interesting to see. And I hope he gets that done. But that is all we have on Texas private school coaching changes. Now we're going to talk about something fun in rising private school athletes in recruiting. The past or the past couple months of summer have been very, very beneficial to about four or five private school athletes. We're going to name them here. So the first athlete we're going to discuss actually is Robert Sanders, uh, going to be a senior edge rusher and wide receiver for All Saints out of Fort Worth. His offers are Washington State, Arizona, Memphis, Tulane, UTSA, among others. He has gotten eight D1 offers since the beginning of May. So, Walker, I know we've talked a good amount about how much talent uh, All Saints is going to have this upcoming year. How do you think Robert Sanders is going to fit into that picture, rushing off the edge and, I guess, catching passes as a wide receiver? Yeah, he, he's for sure an edge guy more. Yeah. Uh, he is the guy. I remember because he was at Country Day his first year maybe uh, in high school. And, you know, he was a quarterback and then they had the guy over there last year. So uh, in Hamp Fay. And so he went over the defensive side of the ball and he found his place over there. And that's where you see the attention and this, you see the athleticism and it's off the charts. And he's a guy that, you know, will make his mark next year. And, you know, he competed against a lot of guys like Curly Thomas last year. So he didn't have the most sacks, but man, he had a great year and you saw the stats. Great, great player. And I'm excited to see him next year. Uh, he, he just he has a really good motor and you need those guys and he fits like you know the kind of the new age off the line you know stand up on the edge rush the passer and he's a good guy to be that per, player for a lot of schools for sure ryan you have anything to add on just robert sanders and his his plethora of offers he's gotten from camp season 
I just think A1D offers since the beginning of May. When, when's the last time someone has gotten that many D1 offers outside of the football um, football months of the year? You know, it's like, you know, he's getting them in May. I mean, I, I, we don't see that that often unless it's in season. You know, I don't know. I just feel like that's different. Yeah, so Robert Sanders definitely got to watch this upcoming year for All Saints. Next guy is Luke Anderson, uh, going to be a senior linebacker, running back, free safety, every position, I guess. Uh, from Fort Worth Christian, the guy that we've actually been following pretty closely for the past year. I know me and Walker have talked about him. He has offers from CSU, Rice, Penn, Harvard, Princeton, Holy Cross, and probably any other Ivy League school you can think of. He runs a 10-800 meter, which caught my dash. That is moving for a linebacker and a running oh, back. Yeah. So, Walker, I know I just mentioned we, we've discussed Luke Anderson and how he really has the potential to have a high ceiling. What do you think? Um, of the recent offers he's gotten and how he can help Fort Worth Christian his senior year. I mean, I want to talk about the rise for him for a second. He was a six man guy, then came into Fort Worth Christian and then just was like, took a year and then now he's killing it. And, you know, his athleticism is off the charts. That's why you see it. And like, he's just, he is very, very good, man. He, I think he's a guy who's going to explode. Give him more senior tape. Let him do this offseason, you know, camp circuit maybe. I'm excited to see it because he, he, you know, he's the size for 6'1", 210, runs fast, probably is a good side-to-side linebacker. I mean, that's what you want probably in a, for an interior backer. Like, that's what you want. A good size, you know, good length, and can run side-to-side. And that's what you want, you know? Oh, yeah, he's a beast. Ryan, you got anything to add on Luke Anderson? I mean, I've just, I, we saw, I saw him play this year and I'll tell you right now, it's, this is, this is a guy that is going to do whatever for his team, no matter how the team is, um, you know, particularly playing. I mean, I think Luke Anderson just proves to be that player that can go accomplish whatever he wants, whether the team is winning or losing. Oh because, yeah. And I think go on. I want to add to that because like you see now in the days of college, right? You're not getting the, you, you see them. Don't get me wrong. You see the big muscly linebackers right you see those but colleges because of just athleticism is off the charts these days you need to at match that on the defensive side of the ball so you're seeing a lot of like kind of shorter maybe a little slimmer long athletic linebackers and he he's not the tallest not above six one but he is fast and he's athletic and that's what you want on the defensive side of the ball and that's why i think colleges are going to keep an eye on him for down the line mm-hmm. i agree it'll be it'll be fascinating to see where luke anderson ends up Moving on, we see William Speedy Nettles, class of 24, Dallas Christian Corner, a guy that we saw several times this past year. He holds offers from Ole Miss, SMU, Tulane, UTSA, Georgetown, and Tulsa. Uh, Nettles is a guy that has really, really blown up this summer specifically. I mean, that Ole Miss offer, which I think is his most recent, is huge. I mean, that's that's SEC as, as an upcoming junior. So that's not even – he doesn't even have all of his junior tape yet, which when guys start getting recruited heavy. I mean, this is a guy for D.C. who could go power five. So, Walker, Speedy Nettles, we've had some interaction with him. Your thoughts on his rise this summer and, you know, his ceiling. Do you think he could be a power five corner? I mean, I think without a doubt. I mean, he's – what is he? At? He's a 24. He has two more yeah. years of high school, and he's already getting the offers he is. And, that I mean, he's already good, and he can only get better. You know, if he, and like he's, you know, he's doing the seven on seven on seven thing with, I believe, uh, true buzz right now. And he's doing mm-hmm. the visits and all of that. And he's having a great time with that. And you see the offers and you see the hype starting to build. And I'm 
I think the sky's the limit for the guy. I mean, you saw it last year. He, when you had him on the field, he basically almost locked down a side of a field, basically everything in taps D2. And I'm not surprised if he, like, you, I can see him maybe put him at safety and be like, all right, try to test him next year, you know, try to test him over the top. And I mean, you, you could do anything in taps D3 with Speedy next year, um, defensive side of ball, which is going to be a nightmare for defensive, uh, for offensive coordinators. I agree. You know, I had some questions whether he was going to stay at BC with them moving down, but I figured, I mean, he still, he still seems committed to Dallas Christian. I think he'll be there for this upcoming year. So it'll, it'll be an event with Speedy Nettles at corner for them in D3. Uh, Ryan, your thoughts on William Speedy Nettles, the 24 cornerback. I just, I, I think, I think D3 is just a, it's just a crazy spot for a guy like him. Like, you know, they're going to, he's going to destroy the entire crap out of any wide receiver that comes over his way. Like, are we kidding at this point? I mean, he is not, he is not the type of guy that, you know, is like, is meant to play against guys that are in D3, like D3 guys come out of the classroom and are going to football practice, like trying to have a good time. You got speedy nose coming at you. Uh, you know, is not is not the same. So um, I, I, when you say you know power five, I, I cannot agree more. Like he he will eventually be at a level where he'll have any any offer to choose from, like any college to choose from, just because like he's going off of sophomore tape right now. I, I, I'm convinced by by the time he's leaving his senior year, where he ever he's committed to, he could, will go wherever he wants to go. I mean, I think that's just you already have the Ole Miss offer coming in right now. It's May of his going into his junior year or just June going into his junior year now, it's like, come on, you know? I mean, and it's going to be crazy because probably his junior film is not going to be as good because it's going to be him just locking down a guy and not even – no one – he's not even going to touch the ball. Like, that's yeah, how it's going to be. throw right. the side of the field. Like, that's how yeah, it's going to be. Why would they? Right. Why would you? And so when you have that much respect for the opposing side, I mean, that's all you need to say. That's why I think this summer and especially next summer for him will be the mo- the two most important sections of his high school football career. Just that that camp circuit and and seven on seven is where he's going to make his money. Because, I mean, we all know what he's going to do against D3 talent. It'll just be interesting to see how he performs at camps and um, on a seven on seven circuit. And against like uh, against his, you know, the non-conference schedule they have this year. That's going to be oh, really yeah. interesting oh, yeah. to see. Yeah, with- with Fort Bend and JP too. Yeah. That that'll be interesting to see how they do going against but, guys like, Oh, going against a domino next year. That's oh, going to be, that's gonna be oh, a fun watch. Think about, that's going to be a fun watch. Can I mention that we need to go see that game? I think I've said that a couple of times. Oh, we might, I might've mentioned it, but we might yeah. have to go see it without a doubt, but moving into the last guy, we're going to talk about Sawyer Anderson. Sawyer, he got, he got a lot of his offers a little bit earlier than May, but we still have to talk about him. I mean, he just, after his freshman year, he started to explode. He holds offers from Arkansas, Oklahoma State, TCU, SMU, Texas Tech, Missouri. You know, I don't like this comparison. A lot of guys are going to say he's like Preston Stone 2.0. I think it's kind of a lazy comparison. I don't think they're – I think the way that they have blown up at such a young age is the same, but I think they're two very different players. But a lot of people are going to say that, and they are similar in terms of their recruiting timeline. Is Sawyer going to develop to how – Preston developed we have no idea he's only played one year but Walker I mean what do you think about Sawyer garnering all this attention after a very state championship a very successful freshman season I mean I'm looking at his Twitter right now and his pen tweet says the like stat leaders for whatever right for max preps 
Number one, 25 quarterback in Texas. Number four, 25 in the country. 2,900 passing yards, 32 passing touchdowns. And what I think is very, the most impressive is a 65% completion rate as a freshman. Yep. And also a 131 quarterback rating. That's, those are the things that are like, all right, you can, te- you can throw the ball on that, on that team. You know, you're, you're, you're better team than most teams. But can you be accurate with it? Can you have the better? Can you be the guy that makes you know is a good player for your team? And that's what is impressive to me. And that's what the the look you can watch him play and you'd be like, oh yeah, you get it. You see the offers, you see it. But like he's a good player and he makes the right reads, he makes the right decisions, and that's what's very very impressive at such a young age. And that can only you can only get better. You can only get you can you know of course he has to get bigger. You know maybe you get a few inches taller. But like, man, he can only grow like mentally and get better mentally and he'll grow physically. That just takes time, of course. But like that, the mental side of the game is what impressed me. No, dude, it's a, it's a scary thing to think about. He is so because I've watched him probably two or three times this last season. He is so incredibly polished for who was a freshman this last year. It's ridiculous. I just I just watched him warm up more than anything. And just the the crisp precision he has in preparation for a game. I mean, the kid was like, like what, maybe 14, 15 years old. And it's just the ability to lock in and prepare like that when most guys are just like at that age, running around in the bleachers, just having fun. I mean, it's incredibly impressive the maturity that the kid holds. And I think that that translates well to the field. Ryan, uh, or I almost said Preston Stone, Sawyer Anderson, what are your thoughts on, on him and the trajectory that you think he'll show? Imagine Sawyer Anderson wasn't allowed to play as a freshman. Oh, that's a big deal. Uh, I right? mean, because right? then who – oh, that's a that's a what if, whatever, you know? Dude, that's a loop, – loop it all the way back around. I like it. Right. Good, yeah. I don't know. That's some things that you think about. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of crazy how all that happens. And obviously he's a transfer from, uh, it would have been going to Highland park. Right. I think that's the, I what it was. So. He was, he was supposed to go to Highland park. He was in the Highland park eighth grade area. And, uh, yeah, I mean, he's proved that he can do anything his freshman year. We know it's going to come, uh, the rest of the years down the line. Um, uh, I don't really have anything more to add than what y'all said, but yeah, that's, that's a crazy thing to think about at least. It, it really is. I think the, uh, the future's in good hands. But that'll conclude our Rising Private School Athletes section. Now we're going to answer Josh Warnock's question, that who are the top four teams in Division II? Um, it, it, was, it was hard for me to whittle down four teams. There's a couple teams that come to mind immediately. But what I came up with was, in no particular order, is Midland, All Saints, Fort Bend, and then uh, – Regents and, and Fort Worth Christian, I think, are there. Walker made me question putting Southwest above Fort Worth Christian. I really don't know at this point. Um, but I think Midland, All Saints, and Fort Bend are my top three for sure. I think Regents and Fort Worth are right there. Fort Worth always is such a wild card, though. Like I, They always have the talent to do it. I just never know if they're going to get it done. But I mean, Walker, who who do you who would you have as your top four teams in D two in June? Um, I think I think for, uh, All Saints is up there. I think Fort Bend's up there. I think I think a uh, state champion uh, appearance in Midland has to be on there, and the fourth you can I, I'm. You're gonna say SCS, aren't you? 
No, I don't. I don't. I don't think so this year. I think they lost a lot. It's gonna be. It's gonna be interesting to see what they can do. But I think they can make a playoff run. I don't yeah. know if you can call yourself the top four right now. I don't know. Do playoff runs gonna be hard in that district? It is. It really is. Uh, hopefully they do like the best four in that district go to playoffs and they do something like that. Like that's the, like I hope they help with that. I don't know. Hopefully, I don't no, know. It's gonna be. It's gonna be three. It's going to be the five situation where you have five teams in each one and the best three go. That's how it's always been. Mm, that's rough. That's really It rough. is rough. Anyway. Let me see. I think, I think All Saints, Midland. Well, I don't know. Maybe FWC. I don't, it just, I don't know how fourth Christian's going to do. Anyway, but, okay, I, I, think, I think the fourth spot, I think, in between it's Regents slash, I think, uh, St. Michael's. I think whatever for yeah. whatever whatever Austin school makes it out of that district is gonna be that fourth place team. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's I think that's a smart list. Ryan, who do you have for us? Oh, I see it on the dock. Yeah. Uh I got Midland. Uh I think that's pretty set in stone. You know, they make a finals appearance, why not? Um, and I have, you know, uh FPCA, I think uh, you know. I think they're bringing a lot back to the table. So I think they're going to be right back in there. Um, I think Regents is one that I have on there. Um, I really like the play style there. I think it's um, something that will continue to, you know, be coached well there. So I don't see that changing. Um, And then this is where I kind of like come in. It's like, I don't think all saints will be the same team. Um, I have faith in Southwest Christian, even though Walker might not have faith in his own team. I have faith in Southwest Christian. Um, I think they'll be able to put it together. Um, And I think what you'll see is they're going to be the third team to come out of that district, but they're going to have so much experience from all the teams they're playing in that district to basically move their way up. Like I, mm. I think you'll realize like all those teams will all get better because of them playing each other during the, during the regular season. And they're all going to be powerhouses against each other, which is hilarious to me that they're all in the same district, but that's, what's going to happen. A team that I don't have in there is definitely, I don't think Fort Worth Christian is going to be in there again. Uh, that's, that's, a, that's a school that I think at this point, you know, is looking looking with the talent that they have, they have to put something together. If they, this is kind of like my shout right now is like, they have so much talent there with Trimble and, and Anderson and all that. If they don't put something together this year, then it's never going to happen. Like, you know, fourth Christian will never, you know, have a run like this unless they bring people in. But I mean, this is the season to do it for fourth Christian. And in my opinion, I don't think it happens. They, they, they did well in district last year, but, I don't know. I think I think you got you got four teams ahead of you that are running a faster speed than you. I, I want to say it's a bold dawn. I want to say if Ryan, you were a lot, you were right a lot last year, and I hope you're right about SES this year. I really hope you are because that, yeah, yes, that yeah. because that that kind of made sense to me. Because I will say add on to that, the wing T offense of SES is gives you know it's different for a lot of teams to face. So if you stop it, you stop it. But if you right. don't, it's it's hard to stop. So that is a brother. That is a bold take. 
putting SCS over All Saints. You th- so you think when they play head to head in that district, that SCS will beat All Saints? No, I, 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 if what you're asking right now is the Final Four teams, uh, in, in if you ask oh, for the Final okay, Four okay, teams okay. in playoffs, this is who I'm going to give you. Oh, I'm giving okay. you oh, okay. okay. See, I I, is, is that is that not what we're saying though? I, I, I mean, was admit, saying more like a, I was saying. Well, like I would say like rankings. if like power rankings. But I do I do like what you did. I do like that, and I think I, I, think I just think you'll have game. you'll have two teams. Uh, you know, all Saints obviously is in that same district. But if you had to say who the my two guys from the North are and my two guys from the South are, that's what I'm picking. That's oh yeah, I, 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 I like that. Very reasonable. I well, I, uh, I I appreciate that list. Then I love that. I really yeah. do. Yeah, I, I yeah, I top four teams in D one power rankings. I guess I'd switch around a little bit, but yeah, I mean that's my that's that's my final four right there. I think that I, if if that's the same as it is come November, hey, just hey, just crown me now, crown me now, yeah. I like that. I said we were gonna make some people angry with these lists. I think a couple of people are gonna be angry, especially right. Fort Worth Christian people with walk with a uh, Ryan. But... I mean, okay, you you proved it at the the thing about it is you have talent. No one's gonna disregard yeah. that. No, like, no we one is all know. Yeah. Hey, y'all got some guys over there, but you started rough last year and then you ended out ended the season not bad. But you need. I I want to see it this year. I want to see it from the beginning. You know, that's all I want. Trying to get a gauge on Fort Worth Christian is like this the perpetual struggle. It just it, you you can never tell how good they are, and they'll lose to like three teams they shouldn't have lost to, and they'll come out and they'll beat the number one ranked team in the state. Well, it just yeah. doesn't make and then, sense. And then they'll go put up a really good fight against DC, and you're like, oh shoot, this team's right up right up next, you know? Like because they, I mean, we thought they might get crushed in the DC Fort Worth Christian game. That game was really close. Like, yeah, they you know, fought with them. Right. Dude, so I'll, ne- I'll never forget. I was uh, I was in the press box as a graduate assistant or yeah, as a, as a graduate assistant for Grace uh, for one of their playoff games. And we were playing for Christian and I'd scouted them. I did all my scouting on their tape and stuff. And I was like, they're all right. I mean, I think right. we'll beat them because we were good that year and they came out and they beat us. I was like, what's what on earth? It's just that's a microcosm for what FWC is. You don't know. No, you, you never know. But. Moving on, we see John Raybook asks us, what are the best matchups in D2 this year? So I went and I gazed the schedule and I gazed the districts and I said, the best matchups, I'll give you four of what I think are the best matchups in district. You have Midland versus All Saints, Legacy versus Faith, Regents versus St. Michael's, and Fort Bend versus Second Baptist. I think those are four really, really good games, four games we're probably going to have to cover. Walker, you have anything to add to that? I'm thinking for a second. I want to see if I disagree. Uh, you know what? Uh, add into that the rivalry that is Faith versus Fort Worth Christian. I want to add that in oh, there. Oh, yeah. They, sh- they if, do not like each other. They do not. And I hope they play that out of district. They better. I'm going to be very, very disappointed if they don't. I'm going to be very, very disappointed. So I'm going to say that I'm now. I'm very disappointed if one of those schools does not play each other if they do like a regular weird uh, non-district game in the later in the season, or they do it earlier, they better do that game. That's all I want. Anyways, uh, Ryan, I put put me down for Fort Worth for uh, Southwest Christian. I want to see that. I want to see that'll be a good I, game. I want to see that mostly because I think that's the spot for the third spot. Don't get me wrong. I I, I think All Saints is a top three team. I think they'll make playoffs, no doubt. I think that third spot comes down to that game. And I when I whenever they t- I, I, will they play that toward the end of the year. Because uh, if that game, if that game is closer to playoff time, I think that's a crazy matchup for yeah. that third spot in the district. Yeah, that's a, that's a big time. Yeah, 
And I think, what is it? Uh, I wonder, you know, Wes, do you think mm. like a TWCA can make some noise in that district, uh, division, district four with SBS uh, losing some guys? You, you want me to be honest off the top of my head? No. Um, yeah. They're probably going to clown me for that. And now that I say that, they probably will. But yeah, they're going to come out that... and win every game this year. I <laughs> just said that. Dude, I think. I, I mean, think you're losing some district, guys, but like. Yeah, I, I think I, that I, district is is just is Fort Bend's and it, it's, it's Fort Bend's going to run it. And then I think second Baptist is still probably second behind them. I don't think I yeah. just don't think TWC has the guys. Yeah, that's fair. I'm just thinking of games in the South. That would be interesting to watch. Like, um, I, I think I think in the playoffs, I think this year with the senior Joe, Joe Moreland against Fort Bend would be interesting to watch. I think that's the I only agree. other game. I think South. Joe Moreland and them, they got they got to come out and prove something. I've said it before. What I saw in that quarterfinal game with Fort Bend versus was versus St. Michael's was emasculating. It was it was horrible. They came out and they dog walked yeah. them. And if that happens, if that matchup happens again, there was some stuff that happened post game, and I'm sure that St. Michael's hasn't forgotten about that. And I'm very very interested to see how they respond. But there's I, a, I, I just think I think you have a big three of Carson Kruver. Joe Joe Moreland, and then you have uh, the big guy in the middle, uh, Ja 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 Griffin, yeah. and I think those three. And then you have you know you're losing Jack Esparza, which is going to be big for them. Losing Jack is going to be huge, but I think you have guys, and I wouldn't be surprised if they have a guy or two come in. But like those guys, I think they can make something. I I, I my big prediction. I don't know anything about regions right now, and I need to go down there and see what they have. Who's replacing? Drew, that's the big question. Who is going to replace Drew? Right. right. And that's and you replace Weston Betts on the other side. But yeah, they have guys, you know, Whitfield Powell on the one side. You have Jacob Wilborn, the 24 corner, who I really like. I think his tape's really good. Um, I just think they have a team and they have some guys that I know about, but like who's who's their main guy? Because you you leave a SEC quarterback away, he's gone. Who takes over and is the best star of that team? But it's always been Austin Regents. They always have that one guy who leads them. So we'll see who it is next year. Yeah, that's a good point. Go on. I was I was gonna say just I want to see the first D one matchup versus D two match. Or sorry, like like when I say D one, I mean Midland and All Saints. I want to see Midland and All Saints, whatever their non district schedule is. If they play a D two team, like I just want to see the first time that D one team plays a D two team in D two. You know, like I want to see is it really that big of a difference between you know like D one and D two, where like a Midland team really shows that we're not supposed to be in D two. Like we are a D one team. I want to see the first one. I just want to see the first game that happens there. I, I think it'd be intri- interesting to see like is Midland and All Saints going to prove by far that these two teams are just not supposed to be in D2 or will they fit right into their district and it'll be a competitive district? I think that's something to, to think about. Well, Midland's first game overall is a non-district game against Regents. That'll be interesting. Oh, That'll be the measuring stick of so all measuring sticks. That's the measuring stick, right? I mean, that has to be. You know, Regents going to be a, kind of a middle of the path, maybe D2 the team this year. We don't know. We don't know a lot. They just We, we talked about how they just lost a lot of guys. So that will be the test. That will be the you know who Midland's second game is? Oh, Pleasant Grove. Pleasant Grove. That's uh-huh. a big test. That's, that's a, a that's, that's a ballsy a big, move. That's a big Texarkana team that has always had success for the past couple of years. So what was that they, bald dude they had that was a monster? Was it Landon, Landon Jackson? Jackson? So his I, younger bro, his younger brother is Cole too. He's a twenty-five. 
Really? He's a big man. Big dude, I, six five did I, monster. Did I tell you I played I played Landon Jackson in seven on seven? He played receiver and I was a safety. And that they just put him out at receiver against a bunch of a bunch of little white kids from Grace and he just destroyed us. I remember that. Uh I wanna I wanna see if I can find it. Uh my goodness. Yeah, that 2025 from Pleasant Grove is a his his younger brother. Yeah, Lance Jackson, he's six six, two forty-five. Oh Already gosh. as a freshman, yeah, he 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 as a freshman, like yeah, fifteen years old. He was twenty twenty five, yeah. Jeez, but yeah, that's it. Okay, so that that wraps up our our what was initially our best matchups in D two that spiraled into something completely different. But that's kind of how <laughs> the podcast rolls. We are now moving on to we got about four different questions relating to does anyone have a shot at Dallas Christian and D three? How do y'all feel about DC moving down to D three? Will anyone come within forty five points of DC and D three? Um, so to address the first question, does anyone have a shot? Um, I think in their it's district absolutely not. I think it's the only two teams are Cypress and TCS. And after I wrote down, T- I don't think TCS even does now after Marcus I, is gone. Is Marcus gone? Wait, wait, wait. What? He's oh, just, Marcus was a 23. Yeah, Marcus Sorry. is a 23. I thought he Marcus transferred. I was back. like, what? No, I would have been very upset. No, never mind. Yeah, yeah Marcus. Ah. Hey, that, that's even without then, that's he without Marcus is is done. I, I'm sorry, like that's that's not even close to a matchup for DC. Well, who, who's going to put points up on the board? So I I, I just I, I don't know. I don't I don't know who can come close. So I'm going to do everyone the courtesy of reading Dallas Christian's district right now. It is All Saints Episcopal out of Tyler. <laughs> no comment. Uh, McKinney Christian post Zeke. Uh, yeah, Dallas no Zeke, Shelton. no Zeke. Uh, Brook Hill, which Brook Hill actually, Brook Hill is a team that could like that still had the has the athletes to compete in D two. They just lost kids and they're in D three. They're they'll be fine, just not DC fine. DC is going to go from kicking Brook Hill's butt in D two to kicking Brook Hill's butt in D three, and that kind of sucks that they moved down with Brook Hill. And then Dallas Covenant. So yeah, DC is not going to have a game within 50 points in their district. And I say that with full confidence and I dare any team in district two to prove me wrong, but I mean, it's just, and then outside of that, yeah, I think it's the only teams maybe is Cyprus and TCS Lubbock, maybe great grace prep. If grace prep doesn't disappear in the playoffs. Yeah. Maybe they can too. That's a good point. Grace prep could grace prep is the, you know, grace. Yeah. And I think, if, I think if anyone would love to play Dallas Christian, it would probably be them. Right, they would. Right. Grace, right. Grace Prep has some dogs over there. And, you know, they just – they love passing the ball. And Jalen Talton is one of my favorites over there. And I, I they, they'll throw the ball. Caden Lehu, Kayla Mathis over there. They got guys. I don't, I don't I know. I, I know bringing Speedy Nettles back into the conversation. I know those are the guys that want to go at guys like Speedy Nettle. I think Grace Prep versus DC would be an incredible match. Yeah. No, give me give me a final uh or give me a final four of TCS, Cypress, Grace Prep and and uh um DC. I think that's good. I think that's good final four. I, I think that's DC the right actually, final four. Or not DC. Uh D three is actually a little more interesting than I thought. Now I think I think DC yeah. will end up think, rolling okay, through it. Yeah DC DC's the favorite, right? But it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see with teams moving up and moving down, 
who's the, who the guys behind it, you know? Yeah, if we, if we had betting lines here, it'd be minus like 5,000 DC. No, man, sorry. <laughs> We're not allowed to talk about that. So what we've heard from our good friend, <laughs> Mr. Tepper. <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, I mean, final verdict, uh, DC most likely will roll through Division Three. You can't ever, like, put a final stamp on that, but I'm going to guess DC rolls through unless, you know, something unexpected happens, which it probably yep. won't. Yep. Anyway, moving on, transfers in and out. There have been a few big names that have left and have also come into private school. And the big name so far is Caleb Mitchell, from a defensive lineman from DeSoto, has transferred into Parish Episcopal. I'll repeat that again. A defensive lineman from DeSoto transferred to Parish. People don't transfer out of DeSoto. Walker, we were talking about that off of that little barbecue place in, in off of 20. That yeah. doesn't happen. How does that how does that happen? I, I no comment. I don't know, but good for hey. <laughs> I, I, but good for Parrish. I mean, Caleb Mitchell has been a guy who's been on the scene since he's an eighth grader. Like, he he's a good, good player. And I'm guessing he just wanted a better – I don't know what he wanted. But, I mean, I guess he just wanted to win a championship with Parrish, and, you know, that's what he's going for. But, that mean, you know, you lose – who they lose this last year on the defensive line? I don't um, – no one? No, they lost crazy. a year. Yeah. No, they, so, they, no, they lost uh... – they lost the what's it called? They lost the we we gave him an award. I can't. Remember. Well, I mean, you lose Keegan Addison. I guess that's yeah. one. Yeah, but, that's what, that's what I'm thinking of. So, but he plays more linebacker. But you have Caleb Mitchell, Trey Williams, Jalen Hall right in the middle. Oh my gosh! You have James Cave on the other side. The the number thirty three or whatever. Remember, uh, you have some good linebackers. You have Ole Miss commit. Uh, uh, whatever. Demery. Demery. You have some good. You have corners. You have a team, man. What else did you expect? Like, I mean, this is this is Parish Episcopal we're talking about here. That's like you know, I I remember like their non-district schedule is uh, insane. And I'm pulling up right now. Alito. I know they're playing Alito. I know they're playing. Who else are they playing? Uh, they're playing. They're playing Alito. They're playing Bel Air Episcopal. They're playing LBJ again. That's a tough game. Is that South Oak Cliff? There's no yes, South yes, Oak. that oh is South God. Oak Cliff. There's South Oak Cliff and China Spring. I would. I hey, that South Oak Cliff is going to be a fun game to go watch. That that's we gonna have, yeah. We're, we're going to have to. One of us is going to have to go up there and cover that. God, that this is ridiculous. I, I, but, I think this. I think this begs the question. Is the only competitive district or competitive division this year D two and D four? In in terms of in terms of the best team, yes. Yeah, not I mean, even D four is not even competitive. Shiner's going to run through D four. I'll right, say that right now. Right. Shiner will probably run through D four. Right. So okay. this this is your question here: is like, is D two the only one where you you don't have like a designed winner? And in, in, in as of June, like yeah, I think you know it it's is. it's you got Parish, DC, and Shiner. I mean, we don't. D2 might be the only one where it's close enough to where you don't have a team that's an outright winner. Actually, not even close to an outright winner. I think that's it's it, I think you have non-competitive, 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 and then you just have the most competitive one in D2. I couldn't I couldn't name a winner right now. Not even I'll, close. I'll tell you right now, teams I think that could that could compete for a championship. All Saints, Midland, Fort Bend. I'm gonna put St. Michael's in there. And, and I think we're, region, we're, we're yeah. going to start by regions. So, so five. I think five teams could compete. 
Yeah, I agree with which, that. Which which is crazy to think about. Like there's yeah, five teams the up for that spot, and then the other the ones other only have one. one. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. I don't know, man. It's a. Uh... The more we talk about it, the more this season is going to be crazy just because no every division is going to be nuts. Yeah, I don't th- let me go back and look at Parrish. Uh, yeah, this is going to be an absolute slaughter in that district. They're going to can Lynch, they're going to can JP2, they're going to can Nolan, they're going to can Preston Wood, they're going to can TC. It's not even close. And then they're going to go to playoffs and then can everyone from the other from the south, right? Oh, it'll uh. I've said it about 40 times this episode, but it will be interesting. Also, uh, walk gone. Place your bet on who's going to be the uh, the Andrew Paul of next year for Parrish. Who's the guy who's going to rise up in the recruits? Trey Williams had the Trey Williams had it in the spring, so he could get the big names next year if he had another year. But who? No, Trey Williams doesn't count. He's already. I, I was going to say, are you saying who's going to be? Oh, you saying who's going to be the next rise for Parish offer wise? Yeah, yeah, through the season. Um, I can see that guy who just transferred from South Lake Carroll. I was literally just about to say that, and he also is going to be a running back, which is why I was going to bring yeah. him up. Let's get yeah. his name real quick. We I need to get his name. Um, that O line. Do they only lose Gilmore off that O line? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah. They're, no, they're Gilmore, Gilmore, no, Gilmore's a 23. Oh, he, he has another 20, year. Why do I think all these 23s are seniors? No, they, they lose they lose uh the uh they lose the center Weber and they lose the left tackle, left or right tackle. Uh, but they have him, they have uh Leo, and they have yeah. the Sam, and they have Bequen, uh whatever is Noah Bequenials. I think I wanna, I Sam's only say, gonna Sam's only gonna be a junior, I think. Yeah, but uh no, the guy I think is James Cape, that defensive end. 6'6", really? 235, long, lanky. Uh, has I don't think he'll get the Georgia offer, but, uh, I mean, he has offered from Air Force, and I think he could be a guy who could get maybe an offer or two bigger than he has right now. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a perfect guy to pick right now. It's going to be super interesting to look back at this episode and, like, in like November and see like if we just hit everything on the head or we were completely wrong about everything because we're throwing out a lot of bold stuff. I that's, that's the fun part. I, I was is. gonna say if we're gonna go to that area, this is this is the running back that transferred from South Carroll. His name's Maddox Reed. He's already visited TCU, so I don't know what that means, but he's visited TCU on an unofficial visit. Which I don't know. I, I don't know, but he's undersized a little bit. Five nine, one ninety. He's a twenty four, but he's going into that running back position at Parish. I don't, and this this is a this is a claim for me. I don't know if he'll get the Georgia offer, you know, because Georgia's Georgia. But this is a guy that has two years on him. He's going to come in, and he might fit in right there for for Parish. And if he does well in that ecosystem. I mean, you're talking about a guy that's about to get lined up with offers for just being in the right place at the right time. About Dude, I don't think I've ever heard a football program this, uh, described as an ecosystem. I like that. I, like I think that. I think that's what you call Parish Episcopal. I think you call them an <laughs> ecosystem. It's just a, le- a living, breathing entity. Right. has to be. It really is. Really so is. that unless we oh, actually Walker, you want to talk about the, uh, the two big guys from Episcopal, the quarterback on the wide receiver? Yes, I do. Uh, Andre Thompson. Uh, so it's been Kincaid for a while over there in SBC 4A, but I mean, some of the names coming into Episcopal, I mean, Episcopal can make some run for it next year. Andre Thompson is a five, nine 
speed. He is like, he's just speed, man. Speed kills. And he's short, swift, agile, athletic, will make you miss every single time. And I'm really excited to see him play because I think he'll be really, really good. And the other guy is, you know, they had, oh, what was his name? Uh, they had a quarterback there bef- that was going to be the Episcopal guy. Then he left for, I uh, forgot what school, but uh, Carson Gordon comes in from Fort Bend Ridge Point and is the guy now. And he's already offered by Tech. He's been offered by some other places. And he's the guy that's going to take over for Episcopal. And he's he's a good player, man. You know, he was behind Bert Emanuel there at uh, Ridge Point, who I thought was a really good player last year. But uh yeah man that's that's a dual dual threat right there that's going to be very very interesting with them to uh throwing and catching the ball very very impressive and i think plus the other guys they have they 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 needed time they're young they might be there now you never know we'll see we'll see with with kincaid losing one of the bell brothers and uh some lasalle and you know some other guys it could be their time right seems to be grimacing so I just want to ask, because we didn't really talk about it that much, and I don't think we got a question about it, but it is interesting. As of June, whatever, what do you all think is the SBC 4A runner and the SBC 3A runner? Funny enough, we actually did get a question that asked exactly that that I was about to pose to you all. So, yeah, let, I mean, gun, gun to your – Ryan, let's start with you. Gun to your head. Who right now do you think is the state champion in SBC 4A and 3A? As the guy that went there for the championships last year, this is what I run through my head. I have to believe Kincaid's going to go back to back. I mean, they're set up to be that way. Micah is insanely good um, at, at his position. And I think Micah could turn into his brother and the fact that he could just play every position. Um, and mm-hmm. I think Kincaid just turns that way to just be a program that does that. Um, we, when we, when me and Walker went to uh, uh, ESD, uh, ESD. We heard a lot of good stuff from them uh, about what their what their program is going to start doing. I would love to see how that will turn out. But um, when it comes to then for the the what's called the the D three side, really this year wasn't even close. It was John Cooper School by such a margin. I, I just don't even know uh, what was competitive. I mean, I think that that state championship was not even close to being competitive. So like if John Cooper does anything like they did last year, it's hard to say that they won't be the exact same team and they won't win the exact same way. I, I think it needs to get to a point where, and I don't know if the SBC will do this, but they just need to make it all one division, just like it is for, for the other ones. I mean, it just, it just needs to be the same. It just needs to be D3 and D4, D3 and D4 need to be together just like all the other sports are. I don't know. That's my opinion. So you think John Cooper and Kincaid, Yes. Are you asking, like, do you do I think that they should play together in a championship? Or no, 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 no. I'm saying, do you think those are your two teams? For four oh, no, no. Those are the two teams yeah. I have. Like, yeah. Yeah. From my perspective, I mean, 3A is not close. I think it's John Cooper, and I don't think it's close. 4A is more interesting. I think the teams you choose from are ESD, Kincaid, and I think Bel Air sneaks their way into that conversation now. Right. Um, right. If you're asking me to choose one of those teams – the the lazy take on my part would be to say Kincaid solely because Kincaid won it last year. But I think that also could be the correct take because still have Micah. They still are going to be incredibly talented. I like what Walker's saying. I do think Bel Air 
really does have sneaky have the talent to do that this year. And then again, ESD is ESD. They're they're always there. They're always going to compete. Right. So right. I'm going to uh, take the coward's way out of this answer and say those are my three teams I think could win it. Walker, uh, don't do what I did. Who do you think is going to win in SBC 4A and 3A? I will go John Cooper in 3A, and I will go Episcopal in 4A. I like Ooh, it. There you go. I think I think those are good answers. I really do. Yeah, SBC 4A is going to be a bear this year. It's going to be like Paps D2. It's going to be a. It's going to be a lot of competition. If I had to put like a like a like a one B, uh, you told me to set my thing in stone, so I did Episcopal. <laughs> but like, if I had to do one B, it would be Kincaid. I think Campa Bianco, the quarterback, the twenty four, is not bad at all. And I He's think solid. I think oh, Mike. Yeah. I think I like what you said, Ryan. I'm going to guess they use a lot more of Micah this year with Dylan gone. And I think Dylan or Micah becomes that guy kind of does what he needs to for the team. So, I mean, I can see him making noise too. I think yeah. for, like, like you said, the best player in division in the SPC next year will be Michael Bell. So oh, if that yeah. means if it, if it, if he can help his team all the way, there you go. So that'll conclude our uh, segment that started as transfers in and out and somehow got to SBC 4A and 3A. But we now move into our second to last question. We This was submitted. It said, what are your thoughts on doing a statewide combine camp for TAPS and private school only players that is run by TAPS and private school coaches? Funny enough, we have actually discussed this idea between us. We discussed it, I think, last, yeah, last, last year. <laughs> talked about Talked about the potential of it. The thing is, we wanted to do we wanted to do a camp that was run by us. We actually have a gigantic Google Doc in our drive that I read over that would plan out how we did it, and it would be very good. The thing is, as full time college students, we don't have the time, we don't have the capital to put that on. However, I think this idea is perfect, and I think it's something that we want to work towards eventually if we get the opportunity. Is doing a, a statewide combine camp for taps athletes only to get them more recognition so walker like i said we've it's an idea we've mulled over before what are your thoughts on it i think if the thing about camps because speaking from experience in high school speaking from a guy who's been in the industry camps can cams can yeah sorry camps can really how much help you and get you what you want out of it or they can be a waste of money and they were not worth your time and to make sure we get it right, we want to make sure it's the right way. So right. I don't know if that's something we do this summer because we wouldn't want to make sure we do it right. Oh, yeah, definitely. It wouldn't be this summer. So I mean, don't, like, don't get your hopes up or anything yeah. like that. But in the spring, maybe. Or maybe a spring or maybe in the summer. But we, we could think about that down the line. But I can promise you this. If we did it, we would make sure you get the most out of it. And oh, yeah. whether that means having the right people to train there or making, making sure you have the right coaches there, making sure you have cameras and all of that. So you can film every rep. You can get all your data, right. You can get all this correct because, you know, having to say, Oh yeah, we're just going to put on a camp and then you come and you do some drills and you leave and you went some guy from San Antonio drove all the way up to Waco, for example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he just wasted all that gas money for nothing. Mm -hmm. That's not what we would want. And we would make sure we would put it on for the best of y'all and because th we would put our name on, on, on it. So we want to make sure it's the best. So um, for sure, it's on the radar. We wanted to do it. If you have, if y'all would want to see that, like 
like this video, comment down below, tweet at us, let us know what you're thinking, because we really would want to do that. And where would you, if anyone would want to host it, would you want to do a DFW, do a Houston one and people go to that one? Would you want to do one mega one? What would y'all want? Kind of l- l- let us know what y'all are thinking. Cause we're still in the works with that, but we're trying to figure that all out. Oh, for sure. You know, Ryan, there's a ton of moving parts around this. What are your thoughts on the idea as a whole and just like the specifics of pulling it off? Yeah. I mean, I, y'all graduate what next spring, right? Oh yeah. 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 It's, I mean, it's almost over college time and you're going to be in the real world and stuff like that. And I think what you'll start to see is that like, you know, a lot of this right now is, is us in college and doing full-time stuff with also trying to balance work and school and also the podcast. Right. So, you know, we're doing a lot of different stuff going on. Maybe by the time things roll around next spring, it, it could be a lot easier to, to put on, but yeah, we've been talking about this. I mean, shoot, since we basically, three months after starting the podcast, we were talking about how, you know, we're like, well, we kind of could put on a camp. That'd be kind of cool. You know, we were talking about that that early and, you know, it's definitely something that I would want to do, but you're totally right. I don't want to just throw this together. This is not something that I feel like the three of us want to just like, you know, just want to like casually do. It's got to be something that's got to be professional, you know, making sure that we have everything filmed and properly documented to make sure that everything is like, you can show coaches, you know, what, what you did in this camp and, you know, maybe have coaches there or whatever, you know, you just, you always want like everything done professionally so that when it looks, when a college coach looks at it, they're like, Oh, this is like a top tier thing. Like this is something that we can actually count as credible. Right. You know, I I think that's important. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, I'll say this. We we're nothing if not ambitious. We've been, we started a podcast a few months later. We're like, we can host a camp. We can do this. <laughs> I remember, and, I remember when we were like, let's do an award show. We'll yeah. get the funding yeah. for it. Yeah. And, and we did it. So this I couldn't mean, be that hard. And then we, like, we can get funding it, for it. So no, no, you said, you said we could do it. No, we've done it twice. We, do, yeah, we, done we, it have, it twice. we have done it twice. So thank God we thank God we did it the first time because we learned what to do and what not to do. (laughs) Absolutely. And we're improving each year. We're getting more and more stuff out to y'all because we just need time to figure out everything in our lives and figure out what's the best way to go about it. So year three, year three coming up right here. Well, technically full season of year two, but we're getting into our third, almost like third year of playoffs at this point. So there you go. Oh yeah. No, I'll say for sure. Um, the strides that we've been making behind the scenes, uh, year three is going, you're going to see more jump from year two to year three than you did even from year one to year two. It is going to be crazy, the stuff we're going to be able to do and we're going to be able to bring to you. And I, for one, am very excited for that opportunity. But, well, uh, guys, unless y'all have anything else to plug or add, I think we can wrap it up there. So, Walker, Ryan, anything else y'all want to say before we get out of here? Uh, oh. listen to us. Seven on seven. If y'all have any seven on seven meets you wanted us to go to, I don't know if you can hear my banging on my desk, but seven on seven. If y'all have any seven on seven tournaments, you want us to come by, we will try to go to them, but let let us know, please. That's all I have to say. Thank you for listening. And Fort Bend guys, stop bothering me. We'll be in college station. I I, I get it. We'll see y'all there, (laughs) but yeah, no, we're we're, me and Walker are definitely going to be down there. That'll be, should be early July. We're going to see the uh, the UIL State Championship and all the TAPS guys that got to make it. We are very excited to cover y'all. So, with that being said, I have been Wes Tolson, and Walker Lott and Ryan Schroeder have fantastically, as always, been themselves. We will see you in the next episode. See you later.
three, two, one. Hey! 